Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Today is episode 22. We are still working through the Sermon on the Mount, but today we've got a little bit of an interesting topic. Uh, in the ESV, it's titled, Do Not Be Anxious. So we'll talk about anxiety or anxiousness today. Now, if you ask me, there's no wonder at all why any human beings are anxious. According to the Bible, you know, sin brought forth self-consciousness and because we're self-conscious now, that means that we're going to die, or that I should say that means that we know we're going to die. And oftentimes we're intimately familiar with all the things that can hurt us. So let's see what God's written word says about anxiousness. Now the verses are kind of lengthy today regarding the topic, so bear with me. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to one's lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, there's some wording changes in the KJV. At the tail end, it says, I think, sufficient is the evil of thereof, or sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. So, you know, it's just, it's important to remember words are abstractions. So when you hear trouble or evil or problem, you know, problems, they're all articulating the same thing right? And it's lots of times people get hung up on words and, you know, we'll talk about that when we get into other subjects, but, you know, like judgment, for example, passing judgment and judgment are two completely different things. In the Greek, you've got krino and katakrino, and they're both different. And it's not only that, but it's the context in which something's being taught. So anyways, let's kind of get back to this subject area, the today anxiousness. So in these verses that we just went over, Christ is saying, Look, I know you need food, I know you need water, and I know you need clothing. Just look at nature, right? I've set things up for there to be harmony in a way that you should notice, right? There's a synchronicity, if you will, when you look out in nature. And then he goes on to say, are you not more important? Now, all of the things in the beginning parts of those verses, they seem to be coherent and they seem to make sense to most people. However, I have heard people read the beginning part of those verse, of today's verses and interpret it sort of like Christ the hippie, if you will. I've heard people talk about these verses from like an Eastern or Taoist or don't resist life, kind of let it all hang out or go with the flow type perspective. Now that perspective couldn't be more wrong because the idea isn't finished till the end of the paragraph. Christ isn't done driving the point home until the very end. So we have to make our analysis and our understanding complete. I've seen people do the same thing with a bunch of different topics. Like we just mentioned judgment, but love would be another example of that. Um, anyways, we're, I'm just going to stop there. It's 
that in itself, interpretation could have its own podcast. So there's no wonder certain Christian faiths tell people that they need someone to interpret scripture for them. And that kind of offends people, but it's true. It's true. Many people need scripture to be interpreted for them because they just don't understand it, especially considering it's written in Greek and Hebrew in the original manuscripts. Now, certain Christian faiths that say you need someone to interpret scripture for you, they're not saying don't read the Bible. They just want to make sure it's interpreted properly. I think, if you ask me, mishandling, misinterpretation, and misunderstanding scripture can cause all sorts of problems, and I've seen it happen firsthand. So I know it's an issue, and I know why certain faiths have the guidance that they do. So let's finish out the idea, and let's drive home the most important part of what Christ is saying in, in the verses that we went over. So listen very closely again to the tail end of Christ's instruction in the sets of, ver sets of verses. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day excuse me, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now that's the caveat or the injunction that makes the point complete. This is the part that we have to hold on to. If we seek first the kingdom of God, what we need will be given. That's not all he's saying, though. Christ is saying in some sense to live in the day. Don't bring tomorrow's troubles into today. Now, this is where things get tricky because some people take that advice as don't plan for the future and have blind faith. And that is not at all what these verses are saying. Blind faith is not biblical, and there's nothing in the Bible that says we shouldn't plan for the future. On the contrary, we should plan for the future, and we should test everything and hold fast to what is good. That's what God tells us through Paul. So blind faith is not biblical, and do not listen to the people who say blind faith is not biblical or you don't have to plan for the future. That is straight-up foolishness. Now, we also need to remember that action is one of the four pillars of faith, and planning for the future falls under taking action. A good quote from a wise man that's always stuck with me says, Failing to plan is planning to fail. If you don't kind of grab life by the horns, then life can get a hold of you. You're, you're going to be a victim of circumstance if you don't take control of your life. You know, that's just the way it is. So, you know, you got you to gotta plan for problems. Don't bring the problems into your life, but plan solutions into potential future problems. Now, to kind of fully or more fully articulate what Christ is saying in those verses, we should make it a priority to shoulder responsibilities in a way so that today would be a good day in pursuit of the kingdom of God. But therein lies a problem, people's perception of good. It's, it's, it's like every step of the way when you say something, it's like it needs clarification and a caveat because people don't know it, what's good is what's in scripture. That's the bottom line. It's not some arbitrary perception of goodness. Now, I think we should use each day to make our future better collectively by planning and working towards the very thing God tells us to work towards in the Bible. So that's kind of where an issue of self-idolatry can come in. When you come up with your own rules of engagement, let's say, and you don't cling to what God tells you to do, or you create some sort of justification for why you're not doing something. You know, People, I'm just, I'm just going to stop there. You got to know what goodness is. And goodness is basically, that's what love is, right? It's to urge the good of another. And how we know what goodness is, is we look into the Bible and see what God's instruction is for us. And this is, this next thing I'm about to say is probably where things are, get the most difficult for people to understand. And it's, there's a false gospel being taught right now that contradicts this. But, but listen to this tough truth. 
God cares more about holiness than happiness. All right? Happiness is an outcome. The difference between, or I should say, that's the difference, right? The pursuit of holiness over happiness is the difference between like the false Joel Osteen-style prosperity gospel and the true gospel that's laid out in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's not all warm and fuzzy unicorns and rainbows. It's just simply not. There's a lot of terrifying things, brutal things that are in there. So, you know, don't listen to the people who advocate for happiness over holiness. It's a weak pursuit anyways. It's, it's a shallow pursuit. Holiness is the pursuit, and true happiness can only come as a byproduct of living according to God's will. Well, the problem is, is people aren't excited about God's will. They get excited about their own will. So when they read something in the Bible that contradicts their own will, well, they're met with a problem. They can either do what God says or do what they want to do. And you're not going to be happy if you do what you want to do. And you can, you'll have an excuse and a justification every step of the way. Oh, this, but the Bible says this, so I'm going to do that. Well, all the Bible also says this over here that you seem to be ignoring. So if you're going to, you know, if you're going to use scripture, you got to have a complete understanding. That's why the Catholics and Orthodox Christians are, they, they regulate who teaches. The, not like the Protestants. The Protestant Christians, they don't regulate who teaches. And so if you ask me, I've seen way more misinterpretation and incompetence in the Protestant branch of faith than I have in Catholicism and Christianity. Now, no human being is perfect, but, you know, gosh, we, we have the internet. We have the original manuscripts. We have commentaries. We have the early church fathers. We've got all these resources. And, and this is another good quote. This is by St. Jerome. He was the patron saint of translation for the Catholic Church. He said, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Well, that makes sense because the Bible is God's written word, right? The following information was taken from David Guzik's commentary. Jesus didn't tell them to stop worrying. He told them to replace worry with a concern for the kingdom of God. A habit or passion can only be given up for a greater habit or passion. This choice, to seek first the kingdom of God, is the fundamental choice everyone makes when they first repent and are converted. Yet every day after that, our Christian life will either reinforce that decision or deny it. And that's again where con we have to be weary of contradiction, right? So to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first is to do everything in your power to repent daily, update your mind, and turn away from sin, right? And it's brutal because there's so much we don't know. And we have to gain knowledge of the written word of God, and we have to obey the New Testament in relationship to the Old Testament. To seek first the kingdom of God requires living out faith. And if you haven't heard me say this before, <clears throat> the four pillars of faith are trust, conviction, action, and obedience. To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness is to trust scripture, to be convicted by scripture, to take action when we learn scripture, and to be obedient to scripture. This doesn't mean we won't make mistakes, you guys. This means that when we make a mistake, we get back up and we keep striving towards the kingdom of heaven. Now, I heard this from an Orthodox priest. It's brilliant. He said, angels never fall, demons fall, and don't get back up. Christians fall and get back up. And that's what repentance is, right? You're never going to be perfect, but it's the pursuit of perfection that allows us to attain excellence in Christ. The following information was taken from Matthew Poole's commentary. Every new day will bring forth some new cares. You know not what tomorrow will bring forth, nor what you, ha you will have need of tomorrow. And if you did, why should you torment yourselves before the time? It will be time enough when you feel the evils of the coming time. You need not torment yourselves with prophesying against yourselves. It either may be, or it may not be. You need not to weaken yourselves for the encountering of such evils by the previous disturbance of your thoughts. So it kind of goes back to what God says through Paul. Take captive every thought to be obedient 
excuse me, to be obedient to Christ. There are going to be troubles in this world, but don't get yourself hung up on the problem in front of you. Get the fear of God and the wisdom of God behind you to propel you forward. Don't let the fear block your path. Let the fear be behind you to move you forward. So, let's close today with a summary. Seven short summaries. Number one, God knows you need water, food, shelter, and clothing. Number two, being anxious won't add any time to your life expectancy at all. Number three, if we seek first the kingdom of God, all of our needs will be provided for. Number four, solve the problems of today by shouldering the Christian responsibilities and Christian duties laid out in the Bible. Number five, don't bring tomorrow's problems into today, into today, but still have a plan to overcome future problems. You have to have a plan, right? You have to have a plan. Have a plan to solve problems, but don't bring problems into your, into your life early. Number six, Planning for the future falls under taking action, which is one of the four pillars of faith. And number seven, don't prophesy for or against yourself because you don't truly know what tomorrow will bring. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.